You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, you've made it to the weekend. It is your Friday Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Rocky, Tim Leonard, the only place to get daily SU pods. We're with you Monday through Friday. And we're also on Twitter, at LO underscore Syracuse. Be sure to check us out there. We're always keeping everyone up to date on all things Syracuse. Football, football, football right around the corner. So you're going to want to be locked in with us all offseason long, all training camp long as we continue to dial closer and closer to that week one matchup against Ohio. Tim and I both can't wait for it. Today on the show, we're going to continue with our most important defensive lineman series. Again, we're giving those to you every single week. We pick a new position group. So this week we've been rolling with the defensive lineman, and we're going to give you who number one is. I think most of you probably know at this point who number one is, but you'll want to hear why, because I think there's a lot of important things that we have to say about it. And also today, we have to dive into this conference realignment thing. We've kind of brushed this by the wayside with everything going on with Bayheim's Army and football stuff, but... Let's just start with this, Tim, because this comment from Jay Billis, and I'm not sure if you've seen this yet, but... I don't think so. Billis said that Jim Phillips, the commissioner of the ACC right now, should be on the phone with Greg Sankey and the SEC and talk about merging conferences. And I thought about this, and it almost gave me the Super League vibes. Remember when that was a thing for like three days in soccer earlier this summer? And it gave me that vibe because... I think merging these two, obviously the, the SEC and Big Ten probably aren't going to merge, right? But the SEC could look to latch on to another conference, and if they had their druthers, I mean, yeah, okay, it's nice to add Texas and Oklahoma, but you might want to add the ACC. That seems like the logical fit. However, it got me wondering, would they absorb the entire conference? Because I don't know if they would do that. Yeah, And... If they don't, I'm slightly afraid that Syracuse would be left out. Yeah, I don't think that's great for Syracuse. I mean, then we're talking, if they absorb the entire conference, talking about 30 teams, because assuming Texas and Oklahoma get added, that puts the SEC at 16. Financially, I think that would be a no-brainer for Jim Phillips. So that is a little bit scary when you see that idea being thrown around. It's going to be interesting to see where this falls. If you're Syracuse right now, Unfortunately, you don't have a ton of options. I feel like you kind of just have to wait it out and hope that the ACC figures this out and really hope that the ACC can convince Notre Dame to come aboard officially. It seemed like it worked out well for both parties last year, but Notre Dame is so tied to that TV deal they have and they make so much money off of it that there's a lot of incentive for them to stay independent. Hopefully, maybe the college football playoff becomes a thing, and that motivates Notre Dame a little bit more. But if the ACC can land Notre Dame, that would be a monumental thing for Jim Phillips and just the entire ACC board. That is priority number one right now because that kind of solves all their problems. It allows them to reconfigure the media rights deal. It allows each school to make more money. Notre Dame would bring in those high marquee games that they're looking for. It would elevate their athletics as a whole. It's just a no-brainer. It's just can they convince Notre Dame to come aboard and ditch their NBC deal? Here, here's the thing with the the whole merger, too, is what does Syracuse have to sell to the SEC or, or whatever this mega conference would be? Yeah. What do they have to sell to them? Because I don't think the case is very strong. 
What is Syracuse's brand going to look like in a post-Bayheim world? I think that's question number one. Number two, we know what the SEC is doing, right? This is a football move to get all of this in there. Let's be honest, okay? Do people outside of Syracuse, Denver, Cleveland, and Canton care about the following names? Jim Brown, Ernie Davis, Floyd Little. Do people outside of those four cities care about those guys? Because it doesn't, I don't think the SEC states care about them. I mean, the SEC fan, you're going to hear them like, we don't need those damn Yankees. Like, yeah. that's, you, like, Paul Feinbaum is not interviewing Dino Babers, okay? <laughs> Paul no, Feinbaum yeah, it is not make interviewing Jim Beheim. okay? I, I just don't see, th- and to say, oh, well, they want the New York City market, I don't think the Syracuse and New York City market is the same. It, it, it is very different. It always has felt like a big divide between the two. I get that there's a lot of alums in the area, but I don't think it's nearly the draw, especially from a football viewer's eyes. It is not nearly what people think it might be. Now, Syracuse in the ACC makes sense, and I don't really think they make much sense anywhere else, and mainly because their football program isn't turning out a great product right now, and they're not bringing a ton of numbers. I mean, Syracuse has a huge following. We acknowledge that. I hope that fans don't think that that are listening right now that we don't understand that Syracuse is a huge brand. It's a nationwide brand, but football is what drives numbers. Football is what drives these deals. And if you're the Big Ten, you're not going to add Syracuse. You've already, like, like Rutgers is latched on, and Rutgers is the luckiest school ever right now because if they weren't on the Big Ten, I don't think any, like, if they were in the Big 12 and the Big 12 crumbles like it is probably going to, who wants to add Rutgers? So that's why Syracuse really has to hold Pat because I think the ACC prioritizes basketball. They take pride in being a basketball league, and that's what Syracuse Although has to Although that might be shifting. Because we've seen Jim Phillips come out and say stuff like this, saying that, hey, football's priority. Yeah, and, for and money he comes it is. from a football background. He con- like when you think about it, his time at Northwestern, football was really good during his time at Northwestern at a school where athletics was far from the priority. And they built a model of consistency, and he probably saw the way that dollars flowed in from football. And being in the Big Ten and how important that was for him. Yeah. And building up the network and all that stuff at BTN. I I just don't I don't see Syracuse becoming a part of this SEC merger. No. I no. think they would be left out. I think it would almost feel like what happened, like they are the big east in this point. And the SEC is Syracuse and Pitt when they yeah. defect. That'd be terrible that, for Cuse if it, it happened. It is so filled with karma here. It would feel like if Syracuse did this. Like I think back to the quote from Requiem for the Biggies. I can't even remember who said it, but they were talking about Dan Gavitt. And remember, Dan Gavitt died shortly before Syracuse left. And I remember the quote saying, I am so happy that Dan Gavitt never saw Syracuse leave because it would have killed him yeah. on the spot. And it almost feels like the shoe's on the other foot now. Syracuse is going to be the one left out. I mean, it, it feels I hope like not, man. I mean, if you're the SEC right now and you're handing out invites, like remember the, those secret high school parties? You didn't want them to be too big, so everything gets busted, and you're kind of going through the list of okay, let's invite Timmy, let's invite John, let's invite Joe, let's invite Maggie, let's invite, and you're going through the list. And it's like 
oh, but we can't have Liam coming, right? And that kind of feels like what Syracuse would be. They're not going to be on the secret invite list. Yeah, I don't think any of those northern schools would. And honestly, the decision by Maryland to go to the Big Ten looks pretty genius right now because they're in a very cozy spot. If you're in the Big Ten or the SEC, you are loving life right now. And I worry not to just scare fans here because I think ultimately what's going to happen is the ACC is going to probably add, hopefully, a Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame could go to the Big Ten. That's a possibility, I guess, because of geography, and, and they have some relationships with the Big Ten. But they've already got it built in with the ACC. If Notre Dame picks a conference, I think that's the most likely one. And if they add Notre Dame, and then maybe they add West Virginia, now you've got a 16-team conference that's got a lot of good athletics. They're in a very good spot. They're probably not going to bring in as much money as the Big Ten or the SEC, but that's fine. Everyone will be happy that's in the conference. I don't think a Clemson's going to bolt from a conference that has a Notre Dame and a lot of other good football schools there. And frankly, Clemson's in a pretty good spot anyway because they can get to the college football playoff every yeah, year. Yeah, they've got the free ride every year. It right. Feels like. So that's my prediction is they find a way to add Notre Dame because Notre Dame, it's just, it's tough because Jim Phillips gets on the podium. And obviously, he's asked about Notre Dame when he speaks at ACC Media Day right off the bat. And he comes out and says, oh, yeah, I think it's pretty clear. We're interested in Notre Dame. We just don't know about yeah. them. And, and that just shows football first. That That is Jim well, Phillips' yeah, you have to new be, mantra. Because football if first. Not, and and it, it's been a long screwed. time coming for this yeah. conference. Yeah, I They're think, lucky that, that Clemson's been as good as they are. Right. I think the problem is... You're football first, and you've got a league. I mean, let's face it. Football is dominated by the, the southern states. And yep. you've got Syracuse, BC, not a hotbed recruiting-wise for football. We've talked about that a lot. Even Pitt, even some of those other northern schools. So that's why it's just tough for them to be football first when they've got a mix of those old biggie schools in there. It's already harder for them to be as successful in football compared to a Tennessee, uh, LSU, whoever down in the SEC. Hey, did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is literally a flavor for everyone. And when you talk to a Built Bar fan, they are always passionate about their faves. Mine, the peanut butter brownie. You've heard me talk about it for months now. And if you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you are missing out. You can get anything from fruit flavors like cherry, barcia, and raspberry to some traditional chocolate ones like double chocolate or cookies and cream, German chocolate. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box as well where they'll give you two of each of the nine flavors. And not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars, but they're also healthy for you too. Just check out some of the stats here. 17 to 18 grams of protein and only 130 to 180 calories with only four to five grams of sugars to go with it. So order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S track and field team as well go to built.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get 15 percent off your order that's built.com promo code locked on for 15 percent off your order march madness is right around the corner if you want to win your office pool you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. 
From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. One of the other things that I'm thinking about here too is some of these teams moving to the SEC. There's natural rivalries. And Syracuse just frankly doesn't have that. Like Florida State, Florida, natural rivalry. Georgia Tech, Georgia, natural rivalry. South Carolina, pick your poison. Whether you want Clemson, whether you want North Carolina, there's natural rivalries built up across the ACC that I just don't think that Syracuse would fit that billing. And I don't know. I mean, I start thinking about it, and it's less and less. Now, I will say there is one sort of saving grace here, too. All right? You want want me to go through the back channels and the deep digging to where I think there might be a life raft for Syracuse? Give me some positivity, please. (laughs) All right. Greg Sankey, Auburn, New York native, SUNY Cortland grad, Syracuse Masters. Would he help out his alma mater and bring Syracuse along? I think we're just spending... I don't think SEC and Syracuse make... It's just not going to happen. But would Greg Sankey, the man... The mastermind, the guy who, at the end of the it day, helps, but... he has to sign his name at the at the bottom X to get this whole thing done. Would he throw a life raft to his alma mater? Well, let's play SEC War Room right now. They come to Greg Sankey, and or Greg Sankey says, "Hey, let's add Syracuse." What is the benefit for the SEC? I just, I mean, they're a football first conference. Listen, I'm with you. Like, I'm, I'm not, you. I'm not trying, I'm just to, rub trying it in to here. offer a glimmer of hope. I don't, I really don't think this ACC SEC merger is going to happen. There might be a couple schools that get picked from the ACC and go to the SEC, like a Florida State. Maybe I could see that. Maybe a Georgia Tech. Who knows? But I just, I don't think it's going to fully be a merger. The really, I, the more I think about this, it comes down to what's the first domino to fall? Is it an ACC school bolting to the SEC, like we saw at Texas, Oklahoma, maybe a Florida State bolting. Well, if it's Clemson, if it's Clemson, it's over. It's, it's over. not looking good, right? I mean, that's it'd be really tough. And honestly, Clemson should be making more money right now than they are. They have a lot of leverage in the situation. If they went to the SEC, they'd make more money than the ACC. So that's a realistic thing, unfortunately, that Clemson could look in the mirror and say, yeah, this is a cozy opportunity for us to get to the college football playoff, but we can make more money, and money's king. So the first domino is the big thing. It's it's either Notre Dame being added, which saves the ACC, in my opinion, because then you say, all right, West Virginia, mm-hmm. come on down. 16 teams, we've got a good conference. Or is it Florida State or Clemson or Georgia Tech or whoever, Miami, leaving for the SEC? Or, I don't know, another conference, most likely SEC, though. And if that happens, then Syracuse is in a tough spot, man. I mean, they really are because the ACC is going to lose a lot of leverage. And if they lose a team, no one wants to join the conference that is losing teams. And they already have a crappy media rights deal in terms of money. So if you're thinking about this from a money perspective, which all these schools are after COVID, they should be, then it's just there's not a lot of selling points for the ACC, unfortunately. So... If Syracuse would have to move somewhere, okay, I think, and 
I almost thought back in the, in the day, this was probably the best decision. Now, I think in the short-term health of the program, the ACC was the right move. But I think looking back on it now and now having this this perspective on it in 2021, almost this uh, hindsight's 2020, but the Big Ten may have been the move for Syracuse back in the day. I've always said it, all right? Yeah. Syracuse is closer to a Great Lake than they are the coast. And for that reason alone, I feel like it would have behooved Syracuse and the Big Ten, really, to go after uh, or for that relationship to happen. And I think about it from a, a basketball standpoint, you're, you're going to be competitive. You, you've got the venue to do it. And, and that attraction of it all, it, it's not terribly far from a number of Big Ten institutions. When you think of the Michigan schools, uh, Ohio State and Penn State and some of these other ones. And then obviously the the additions on the East Coast makes it pretty easy to do. Yeah. And then on top of that, I can see Syracuse punching around in a, in a 13-6 Big 10, 11 a.m. game. Can't you? <laughs> like, I mean, they'd be fine. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty there, and I think it only just hurts to reflect on it because the ACC seemed like the logical move at the time, mostly because you could keep those rivalries that you had and that felt like a big deal right. being able to keep those relationships. So And it was good for the health of the conference too when you had Bayheim, K, Roy. But now that that era is sort of nearly ushered out, it almost Long-term health-wise, the Big Ten may have been the right move. Yeah, unfortunately. And to answer your question of what if Syracuse's move if they were to go to another conference, I think this goes back to what I originally said, but they don't really have a whole lot of options here. I mean, the Big Ten's not going to want them, in my opinion. And You don't think so? I don't see why the Big Ten would add them because football, as we said, is what you're, I mean, maybe I'm off there. Maybe they, I think there would be a conversation. I don't think it's totally unlikely, but if you're the big 10, well, I mean, look, you at, can pick look off some those of, big 12 schools that have football background. Like the big 12 is going to have tons of options already. And there'll be options before Syracuse is maybe an option, but big 12 football wise, right? Like I'm just thinking about it. The Big Ten, I think some of the natural ads for them would be Iowa State, um, also Kansas, but none of those, Kansas State, none of those are historically great football programs. I guess Oklahoma State you could throw into the mix. Yeah, but Iowa State's trending up. I mean, Syracuse isn't. But but it's one of those things, too, where how long is that going to last? If Matt Campbell yeah. leaves, the, the football thing is no, you're over right. for that, Iowa State. You care more about the history there if you're the Big Ten than the and last And I think academically, years. too, academically, Syracuse probably fits pretty well with no, it the does. Big Ten. It makes sense. I, I guess I should be more considering it as an opportunity for Syracuse. I just... I feel like what happens here is the ACC figures its stuff out, and that's where Syracuse ends up. And if that doesn't happen... Then we're looking at those former Big East schools just banding together and kind of reforming another Big East, which might bring a a tear to a lot of people's eyes that are listening right now. Right. I don't know if it would be great for them from a athletics perspective. Like they probably take a dip down and marquee games and quality of opponent and everything because 
what would that conference be? It'd probably be, I guess, BC, UConn, Cincinnati, like those AAC schools as well. I mean, you could form a decent conference there if the ACC just doesn't. But you get would its... be second tier. Yeah, and at that point, it, and I don't know if Syracuse very, wants that. It's a very tough thing to say. All right, the ACC didn't add teams. They maybe lost to Florida State. They maybe lost to Miami. Here they are with 11 teams. They're trending down. Do we swallow our pride and say, oh, we made the wrong decision. Let's go back to the Big East. I mean, that's a really tough decision if that comes to it. And Syracuse is wondering, all right, option A is reform and take a risk with starting a new conference with a bunch of other schools that are kind of okay-ish and don't bring in a lot of football money, which is huge. Or do you stay with the ACC, which is a proven brand and has some great schools? And I guess that comes down to who left the ACC in that hypothetical scenario. All right, let let's let me lay out a, a little scenario here, and then I promise we will get to our number one most important defensive lineman. Let's say Kevin Warren right now today picks up the phone, dials up John Wildhead. Kevin Warren, Big Ten commissioner, says, "Hey, you know what might hit the fan in." three, four years. I'm extending this invite to you. It is good for the remainder of the year through the, the 2020, basically once football's over, the, the offer is no longer on the table. Okay. You can join our conference right now. If you are John Wildhack, do you accept that offer? It's really tough not to, I think just because it's the safest thing right now. If they and I know that hurts because I would rather them stay in the ACC and I just rather we not just continuously move around conferences. It's no fun for college football. You don't That's, like that? No, it just it doesn't build rivalries. The geography is all messed lie. up. It, it feels like NBA free agency to me. Yeah, I kind of love it. I, I don't like it. I it just feels slimy. Like every it feels seven like it's years, all about the money. Every ten years, get a little shuffle going. Right, but I just don't like This is like some giant NCAA swingers party that we're looking at right here. We live in a world where <laughs> where Creighton is in the Big East and the Pac-12 might join forces with uh, West Virginia from the Big 12. Or who knows what's going to happen here, but it just doesn't feel like this is right. It just feels like everyone's after the money. That's a whole other thing, though. I think John Wildtack would have to say yes. I think that's a very tough decision. And you'd immediately call everyone you know in the ACC and try and figure out, all right, what's the chances of Notre Dame? Because if Notre Dame is added to the ACC... Well, guess what? Notre Dame could go to the Big Ten, too. Yeah, no, I brought that up. I think that's a possibility. I feel like ACC is more likely. But if Notre Dame is added, then the ACC is probably better for Syracuse than the Big Ten. But if Notre Dame's not added and an ACC school leaves, then Syracuse could be swimming in the ocean without a lifeboat or a life raft, and the Big Ten could have been the biggest botch of a non-call that John Wildhack or Syracuse has ever made, and it's a huge what-if. So it's it's the safer play to go to the Big Ten if they offer. I don't see the Big Ten offering them in the near future, and I don't really see why. I mean, the Big Ten just has other options right now, and they're also just in a pretty cozy spot to begin with. I think it is a tough decision with an easy answer. I I, I think you have to accept it. Sadly, it, it's the yeah. most profitable conference in, in the country. No, and it is. It's an easy answer. You're right. It's just it, it hurts. It's a tough to decision think. with an easy answer. Yeah. It's your heart is telling you, hey, 
you, you've you've started to establish something in the ACC. You've started to build some of these rivalries, relationships. But upstairs in your brain, you know, financially, you're going to be much better off. You can reacclimate. It's really probably in your best interest to join the Big Ten. So what's your and, prediction? And I, this is impossible, right? But let's have fun. Right. I think the ACC figures it out. They add Notre Dame and Syracuse is fine. And maybe that's just me being an internal optimist and hoping that we don't get too crazy in this realignment period. I think there is a real threat that some of those ACC schools leave for the SEC. But if it's one or two, it's not a disaster. What would you say right now is where Syracuse is in 2026? I'll go Big Ten. Man, I, I, I'm gonna say, I had a feeling you are going to say it. <laughs> I've just started to think about it. I just think that the SEC is going to form some 20 to 22 team super league. So you, that wouldn't bother you. Like that would stink, man. If that's what the SEC, if it's just, no, because it, listen, it would stink if you're on the outside looking in. Right. But if Syracuse was in the big 10, I think I'd be okay with it because it almost feel like an AL versus NL situation. You've got the SEC can be whichever one of the leagues. And then you've got the, the, Big Ten as the other, as the AL, and the, the SEC is the NL. I, that's kind of how I view it. it. It's almost like two conferences, the Western and the Eastern Conference. Except the Western and Conference is, is in it's middle all America, on the East Coast. has conquered the, the New York uh, market with Syracuse well, I'm and, saying and Rutgers. Too, like, and, who would go to a West Coast school to play sports if the two main conferences are basically west of the or east of the Mississippi at this point? Yeah, you know? I mean that's not good. It, like it'll I'd be like it to be nationwide. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. And, and listen, at the end of the day, some recruit is always going to walk onto the campus of UCLA or Arizona and be swung. I don't think they're going to be on the outside looking in of this, but. At the same time, and maybe maybe it'll be a, a three conference thing. I don't know, but yeah, maybe Big Twelve, Pac Twelve t- get together and they form like a third conference that isn't as good, but it's still like twenty schools and pretty good. Yeah, my my gut would tell me, and, and I think I'm rooting for this too. Syracuse in the Big Ten. You are rooting but, for it because you're a Chicago guy, and I hear you. But I just I'd rather everything just stay is. Close to status quo as possible, and I guess that's Real never going to happen. Real quick, I want a, a one to three word answer from you. If if the SEC it just kills the kills the ACC, and the SEC is becoming they're merging, would you even want Syracuse in the SEC? Oh yeah, because you would. Okay, the alternative is they're out on their own. So yeah, I mean at that point. I would welcome, I mean, that's, again, probably going to be one of the most profitable conferences. You want to latch on to one of the big conferences if you can. Would you rather them be in the SEC or or the Big Ten, assuming all finances are, would be equal? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't even want to, maybe Big Ten, just because they have the basketball. I mean, SEC basketball is looking really good, too. I just feel like. SEC has no shot of happening, so I'm thinking Big Ten because that is maybe a possibility. Although, I don't know, man. I still don't really see the Big Ten calling Syracuse and saying, hey, like, want to grab dinner? Yeah. Yeah, I could I could also see that happening, too. All right, coming up next, we are going to dive into our number one most important defensive lineman for Syracuse this upcoming season. We'll tell you who that is on the other side. 
All right, so that was some good conference realignment talk. Tell a friend about that because Tim and I think had a lot of fun dissecting Big Ten, ACC, SEC, sorting out the whole mess for you guys. Um, but now we continue with our countdown here. The number one most important defensive lineman for Syracuse. Tim and I were on the same page, and I don't think this is even close when it comes down to who is the most important defensive lineman. It is Josh Black. And I got to say this, Tim. For a guy who started nine games as a true freshman, I've been a little underwhelmed. And it kind of pains me to say that about a Chicago guy. But when they had Josh Black and Kendall Coleman starting opposite each other that freshman year, I thought the line was going to be set for years. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. It's been solid. But I thought when you had two true freshmen starting on that defensive line and playing decently well, I thought this was going to be one of the strongest units for years to come. And I don't think the defensive line at any point since those two walked onto campus has been the best defensive unit. Well, maybe in 2018, right? I mean, they were really good that year. But But you could say the secondary when they were forcing turnovers left and right and and the linebackers were good. You had a couple all ACC guys there. Yeah. And honestly, the 2019 team, they were probably the best unit or the best of the worst when you think about the defense that year, because they still had Alton and Kendall. But yeah, I get your point. I think we have to mention the disclaimer. Josh Black has dealt with some injuries, so it's not all his fault. As well as positional shuffling. Yes. Inside. He's been outside. So he's had to do a lot. Right, and he's been good. He hasn't been great, which I think there were some expectations heaped on him that he was going to be great. And it goes back to sort of the conversation with Kingsley Jonathan that we had on Wednesday where you kind of have been waiting for that Josh Black year to happen statistically and to his, for his output to match what the hype has been building towards. And I think one of them will have a great statistical season. I don't know if it'll be a good enough year for Syracuse for two of them to have that year but Josh Black has a super high ceiling and that's why it's really easy to think of him as the most important defensive lineman this year he's a freak athlete I mean you've seen the videos the rocks tweeting at him and there's something in there you're waiting for it I almost liken it a little bit to Eric Dungy all right because with Eric Dungy if he wasn't great in that senior season It would have been a complicated legacy for him. But he's a guy who changed the narrative about his entire career. It shows that one season can change the entire narrative of your career. Steve Ishmael, same thing. I look at it as, listen, Josh Black, you have had, what now, five sort of mediocre seasons. But if you really pop in this this sixth season, you're going to completely change the narrative of how people think about you. I mean, Eric Dungy went from being a solid quarterback to put number two in the rafters type of quarterback. Right. And with Josh Black, I'm not saying he's going to have his number retired one day, but you really have a chance now to change the narrative about how your legacy is looked at here. Again, injuries have played a factor. Positional changes have played a factor. But I look at last year, your PFF grade, you were number 15 on the defense. 15, there's 11 guys on the field. Yeah. For a guy who was in his fifth season, I would have expected a little bit more. Right. And I think another variable there is the change in just the defensive schematics that he had to deal with last year, which everyone did. And he was 15th on that list compared to everyone else that had to deal with it. So you're still, your point is valid. 
we had basically the same conversation with these guys last year and no one broke out and no one really put up the numbers. So now you hope that by having more experience in this 3-3-5 defense, by understanding the principles more, by maybe taking the offseason to shape your body to the 3-3-5 defense a little bit, this could be a breakout year for that defense. And they're going to have opportunity. All these guys came back for a reason. They're going to be able to be out there for a lot of snaps against a lot of pass plays, whatever. And I think they'll be better than last year. I just really hope one of these guys pops because that will raise the ceiling of the SU defense. They need something here because if Josh Black has a good season, then you're looking at a team that is more likely to have five or six wins. But if there's no pressure, if all these sixth-year guys on the offensive line, or on the defensive line, rather, don't give you that extra benefit of what having a sixth-year guy is supposed to look like in college football, then, yeah, it is going to be a disappointment. I know these guys didn't want to end their college careers on one in ten notes, and I respect that. I am happy that Josh Black is back. But I need to see something more than two sacks, which you got in 2020. And listen, I'm not going to judge someone's entire body of work on a pandemic season. I don't think that's fair. But you're not coming back in 2021 for a sixth year to get just two sacks. Yeah, and going back to your original point, he plays in a ton of games. He starts a lot of games as a freshman. Since that freshman season, now he dealt with a lot of injuries in 2017, even 2018, but he has only piled up six sacks. And it was a shortened season last year, but still, that would have been way under the projected over-under of what is his sack count. Now, sacks aren't everything, but when you look at all the numbers, they're down from what we would have probably projected for him. Yeah, 2017-2018, now I know one of the, he was injured and, and only played in 15 games over the course of those two years, but 15 games is still a pretty solid sample size for football. Zero sacks, four tackles for loss. I need a little more than that. Now, he, he broke out a little in 2019 when he had six tackles for loss and four sacks, but then you saw the regression in 2020. So I kind of look at this as a no-excuse season for Josh Black, so... He is number one, and I don't think it is even close on our most important defensive lineman. In fact, I might argue the gap between one and two is as big. This is the biggest one that you will find of any positional group. I don't know if you feel the same way. I don't know but about that. It but might I, be. I hear you. I think it's he's number one, and I'm confident in saying he's number one. There's probably other groups that there's a bigger gap, but... I really feel like those three guys just they came back for a purpose and they're going to be coming out really ready to go this year. And I'm confident that things change defensive line wise. All right. That's going to do it for us here on this Friday. We went a little long, but glad you guys all stuck around to the end because football is right around the corner. Conference realignment has both Tim and I amped up. So we're covering all these things every single weekday, Monday through Friday. Next week, the most important list, it's going to be running backs. And you may be saying, Tim, Tyler, Are there really five important running backs on this team? Yes, because this might be the deepest Syracuse running back room we've ever seen in our lifetimes. So we will dive into that next week. The five most important running backs, we're going to count them down. Number five on Monday, all the way down to number one on Friday. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. Everyone have a fun, safe weekend, and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.